Okay, well, those of you who've been uh, here for the last four weeks will know that we're looking into Psalm 119, which is quite long. Um, But it's really great. It's a psalm in which the psalmist talks all about the way in which God has spoken to us through his word. So, we're going to uh, turn again to Psalm 119. We're going to read from verse 65. And if you're using one of the uh, church Bibles, it's on page 619. Uh, Those of you who have been here will know why each of these sections is labelled with a rather odd word and what probably looks like a a rather odd squiggle as well. Uh, And the simple explanation for that is that this psalm is very carefully and beautifully constructed and each of those sections, each verse, begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So uh, tonight uh, you'll see there that uh, these sections are Taith, and Yoth. Yoth, incidentally, is the, the letter that Jesus was referring to when he said, not a jot or a tittle will pass away from the law. This letter, Yoth, the Hebrew letter, is that uh, jot that he was talking about. Anyway, we're going to read from uh, verse 65. Do good to your servant according to your word, Lord. Teach me knowledge and good judgment. For I trust your commands. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Though the arrogant have smeared me with lies, I keep your precepts with all my heart. Their hearts are callous and unfeeling, but I delight in your law. It was good for me to be afflicted, so that I might learn your decrees. The law from your mouth is more precious to me than thousands of pieces of silver and gold. Your hands made me and formed me. Give me understanding to learn your commands. May those who fear you rejoice when they see me, for I have put my hope in your word. I know, Lord, that your laws are righteous and that in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. Let your compassion come to me that I may live, for your law is my delight. May the arrogant be put to shame for wronging me without cause. But I will meditate on your precepts. May those who fear you turn to me, those who understand your statutes. May I wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I may not be put to shame. I'm old enough to remember a time when you could do church without any of this stuff or without any of this stuff or without one of these. Um, Tonight we had what we thought was a glitch, but I want to honour the techie guys at the back who've uh, managed to source it while we've been worshipping, and so we've now got something behind us, which is great. Thank you, guys. Cast your mind back a couple of years. Do you remember this? 
Here we've got uh, 12 young men from a, a Thai football team who spent 18 days in a cave in Thailand. On June the 23rd, they went into this cave after a football match and managed to get two and a half miles into the cave, which is quite something anyway. And then the rain came down, and they were trapped in there. And they were trapped there for 18 days. It was on July the 2nd that uh, they were found by two British divers who went in there. Uh, and then it took another eight days for them all to be brought out uh, in what was an amazing operation. Now, what was it that kept everyone glued to their TV screens around the world over those 18 days? What was it that brought 10,000 people in one capacity or another to actually help in that rescue? Well, I think it was this. It was hope. Because somehow they believed that this could be turned around. Somehow they thought there was a possibility, however unlikely it might have seemed, that they could get those boys out of that cave. Hope is something which is fundamental to our human existence. And yet, hope is in very short supply. And I meet many people who have very little hope for the future. Many people who don't know where they're going, what their destiny is. They don't know how to make sense of life. They don't know what they're going to do in terms of a job or a relationship. There's just so much uncertainty and confusion around in our world. Hope is important. And you see what this writer says? He says, look, in your word, I will hope. And what I'm going to suggest to you tonight is that there is no better place to put our hope than in the word of God. What is hope all about? Well, hope, first of all, is focused on the future. Hope is something which looks ahead and which says, you know what? I'm headed somewhere and I can see something positive about the place I'm headed to. I believe that the future is not all dark. I believe that the future has possibilities within it. So future, hope is always focused on the future. But hope isn't simply focused on the future. Hope also enables us to live in the present. Because without some sense of the fact that the future has hope and promise, the present becomes meaningless. And that's why for so many people, their present is meaningless. They look out and they say, I can't make any sense of life. I don't understand what's happening to me. I don't know where the country is headed. I'm excited about Brexit. I'm worried about Brexit. Whatever. But people look at the present and they just think, my life does not make sense. And that can be at a personal level, at a national level, at all sorts of levels. And that's where so many people are, just unable to make sense of life. But what hope does is to make sense of our present because it says to us, your life is not meaningless. It says to us, your life is going somewhere. Your life has a point and a purpose. And the place we come back and find that out is in the Word of God. As we've gone through Psalm 119, you'll have seen that um, the, the psalmist makes a resolution. That was where you started out, makes a resolution to obey and to trust God.
You'd have seen how the psalmist revels and delights and appreciates the word of God. You'd have seen how the psalmist is determined to obey the word of God. And you'll have seen how the word is just full of promises to God's people. And it's those promises that provide this hope and give meaning to our existence. The psalmist had been through a a time of uh, pain. He'd experienced some sort of affliction. We don't know what it was. But what had happened was that whatever he'd been through, that pain, that anxiety, uh, and we've seen earlier on in the psalm that he was mocked by others. Uh, We see here that the arrogant have told lies about him. Whatever he actually was that he went through, what it's done is to turn him back again to the word of God. You see, verse 67, before I was afflicted, I went astray. It would seem that he just lost sight of God a bit. He'd lost contact with God. And then something happens to him. And what happens? That turns him back to the word of God. He says, that's where my hope is. That's what's going to make sense of my situation. We can, we can go two ways when troubles hit. We can either go the way of resentment and bitterness, or we can go the way of turning to God and saying, you know what, God? You can make sense of this situation. You can help me understand what's going on, and you can get me through it, and you can take me out into a different sort of place. So that calls him back. This pain, C.S. Lewis said, pain is God's megaphone to call us back to himself. So what does he do? Well, you look at what he does with this word. Uh, And these are themes that we have seen before over the last few weeks. But verse 67, he obeys God's word. Verse 69, he keeps God's precepts with all his heart. He's totally committed to this. Verse 78, and Dave spoke about this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, he meditates on the law of God. And verse 80, he follows it. Here is a man who is determined to make God's word the very center of what he's about. He values it, and he trusts it, and he gives priority to it. Here's another quote from the book I quoted from this morning. Um, As Christians... We need internal reserves of hope to live on the margins. And the reality is, look, we do live on the margins in our society. We're on the edge. We're not at the center. And the church has always been on the... Well, no, it hasn't actually always. Sometimes it's been right at the center, and it's always been its weakest when it's been there. It's when the church is on the margins of society that it can speak most powerfully. We need internal reserves of hope to live on the margins, and we need to bank deposits of hope through the word into those eternal reserves. What he's saying is we need an inner strength if we're going to live as followers of Jesus in the world we live in today. Where do we get those reserves from? We get those reserves from taking the word of God into our lives and making it our own and living by it and basing our lives on it. As Christians, we need internal reserves of hope and we need to bank deposits of hope through the word into those internal 
reserves. It's interesting, when I first typed this out, I noticed I'd written into those eternal reserves rather than internal. Both are true, you know? Hope is something which will take us on forever into the eternal presence of God. So, hope is focused on the future. It enables us to live in the present, and it's rooted in the Word of God, but it's also finally grounded in the character of God. You see what he says here about God, and I'm sure that you could add to this list. But here's what I spotted as I read through. Verse 68, you are good. You see, only if we believe that God is good are we going to have hope. And that's what we find here in the Word. Verse 75, he talks about your laws are righteous. And because God always does the right thing, go back to Abraham in his great prayer for for Sodom and Gomorrah, will the judge of all the earth not do right? Well, of course he will. And because God always does that which is right, we can trust him and we can have hope. Verse 75, he's faithful. Last week, uh, you were looking at the, the promises of God, and God is always true to his promises. All his promises are yes and amen in Jesus. So what God has said he will do, he will do. And if God has promised to see you through, he'll see you through. That's why we can have hope. And God, verse 77, is compassionate. We've sung about it already, haven't we? The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and swift in love from Psalm 103. That's our God. He doesn't look at us and say, you know what? You got it wrong. You slipped up. You messed up. I'm giving up on you. God never says that. God looks at us and he says, you know what? I love you. I care about you. I value you. That's what compassion is about. It's a really strong word. And you find Jesus in the Gospels time and time again. He looks out at people who are suffering. He looks out at the crowd who are lost. And he's moved with compassion. And it's a word that says he was just churned up inside. God cares. And God never, ever stops caring. And uh, he's loving in verse 76. Unfailing love. Not a love that gives out after a bit. Human love is weak and fallible. And some of us have experienced that. But God's love is not like that. God's love never, ever fails. So here is the psalmist rejoicing in this God who enables him to have hope and to live with hope as he holds on to God's word and as he holds on to the God who has revealed himself in his word. But as we wrap this up, Can we just focus on one other thing? But before I do that, I've just spotted another note here, which is just worth, for those of you who are interested in these things, mentioning. I said that each each of these sections started, each verse started with the same letter of the Hebrew alphabet. In that section, uh, verse 65 down to 72, not only is that true, but five out of those eight verses start with the same Hebrew word, the word tov, good. Now, it, it... it does appear in all the verses in English translation, but it's always, not always the first word. In Hebrew, it's the first word in every verse there. God is good. And the psalmist wants us to know that and hold on to that. But, as we wrap it up, 
let's recognize where the ultimate goodness of God is shown. The psalmist is talking about the law of the Lord, and he's probably really just talking about the first five books of the Old Testament. We've got so much more. Not only have we got that great uh, section from the prophets that Andy read to us earlier on, but we have Jesus. Okay, and how does John start off his gospel? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How does he go on in verse 14? And the Word, that's Jesus, became flesh, and we beheld his glory, glory as of the only begotten of the Father. So we've got so much more than the psalmist had. We look back to a Jesus who came, who lived, who died, who rose, who ascended, and who reigns with the Father in heaven. And the New Testament constantly says to us, look, that's where your hope lies. It lies in Jesus. It lies in the Jesus who gave himself so that we might know new life, so that we might experience hope. That's where hope comes from. Our hope is in the Word of God. Yes, it's in the written Word of God, but supremely, our hope is in the living Word of God, the Lord Jesus, who came into this world and died so that we might live, who went to the cross so that we might have hope. Okay, so now we've got a chance just to explore this a little bit more uh, around our tables. And I've got three questions which are going to uh, come up on the screen here uh, behind me. Uh, I guess you won't have time to to do all three of these, but uh, you might want to choose one and perhaps go on to another one, just depending on how the time goes and how your discussion goes. But just sort of dig into things a little bit and encourage one another and build one another up. We were thinking this morning about serving one another. This is one way we do it. Just by sitting around and talking about the Word and talking about what the Word says to us. Okay. So the first of the... Oops, no. Technology. What do you find puzzling in today's world? Now don't spend too long on that because you could spend... you You could list so many things there. How might focusing on the character of God help you make sense of the world and give you hope? And we've seen some aspects of the character of God, but you may want to add others in there. What aspects of God's character would you find especially helpful? Now, it may be that different ones of us, because our circumstances are different, will find different things helpful. But that's something to talk about, perhaps, in your group. Many people have little hope for the future. And you may know people who have little hope for the future. What can we as Christians offer them that will give them a greater sense of security? That's a question that makes us look outwards and says, look, you know, out there there are people who don't have a lot of hope. What can we do to give them more hope and more security? And then the final one picks up that uh, quote from Tim Chester and Stephen Timmis. As Christians, we need internal reserves of hope to live on the margins. And we need to bank deposits of hope through the word into those internal reserves. Okay, how do we do that in practice? How can we help one another bank those deposits which will enable us to live with hope in our world? Okay, off you go. 
Talk to one another. Encourage one another. Build one another up.